Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to another edition of Around the Coin, the premier podcast for all things banking, payments, and fintech. Here are your hosts, Mike Townsend, Brian Romley, and Faisal Khan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the hit podcast series, Around the Coin, featuring Mike Townsend and me, your guest host, Zach D'Amato. We're at the Rise HQ, which is a Techstars Barclays program here in the Big Apple, New York City. Mike, why don't you tell them where you're from and the mission of Around the Coin? Thanks, Zach. Super excited to be here. Uh, so the mission for Around the Coin is to bring a voice to payment-related startups. Uh, I started the podcast with Faisal Khan and Brian Romley, who I met over Quora. Each of them have thousands of answers on payments, extremely passionate guys. And we got together about two years ago, and so far we've put together over 80 podcasts uh, just around all different types of startups, in and out of marketplaces and payments. And partnering with awesome companies like Techstars to do this kind of guest series, um, and I'm personally, Zach, sitting in New Orleans, uh, an extremely hot day, and uh, very excited to be doing this podcast. Yeah, good to, uh, good to have technology on our side. We can talk anywhere around the world and generate some good information. Uh, we also want to thank some of the supporters involved that make this podcast possible. Obviously, you, Mike, and Around the Coin. And we also want to thank Barclays and Techstars uh, for always to join up with such amazing companies. Uh, and also give us access to innovative brains and, and ideas. Uh, gives me kind of the it's to go build something myself. So um, that being said, um, we have two exciting companies with us today, focusing on the innovative blockchain technology. Now, the blockchain isn't only for Bitcoin, as you'll soon learn in the podcast. Uh, it's actually a sequential transaction database found in cryptocurrencies derived from Bitcoin. Now, weeks ago, I would have thought I was speaking a different language. Uh, because I didn't really know what Bitcoin was and blockchain, but I've been educated by all the companies here. So we're going to get started with chain analysis, and with us is Jonathan, Jonathan Levin, Chief Revenue Officer. And uh, you come all the way from London. How are you doing today? Yeah, great. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm very excited to be uh, doing another podcast in, in New York City. Uh, we love the radio in, in the UK, um, and uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. So, you know, why don't you give us a little brief bio of, obviously you said from London, you're from London, but for the new, the new listeners out there, kind of like a background of what you've done and how you got along with uh, Chain Analysis. Yeah, so um, essentially I started, uh, I started life as an economist. I was doing some of the early research into uh, digital currencies. Uh, we were trying to figure out, you know, uh, is this a computer science innovation? Is it a economic innovation? And I did... Um, 
some of the early research into analyzing the incentives of people to participate in these new uh, digital currency networks. Great. Now, so correct me if I'm wrong, chain analysis is creating the transparency of the blockchain, kind of enabling companies of any size to be compliant and provide like a really better version of customer service. Now, so I read that off your website, so I'm, hopefully I'm correct. So maybe you can emphasize that a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, so um, essentially, you know, uh, Bitcoin, you have a problem where anyone can participate in this open network. And if you're a regulated financial institution or if you're a uh, law enforcement agency whose, uh, whose job is protecting citizens, you need to be able to identify and prevent criminal activity. Um, if you're a money services business here in the US, you have to have a what's called an anti-money laundering program uh, that has to be appropriate for your business use case. So we essentially provide tools, investigative tools, to um, analyze Bitcoin transactions and help uh, businesses identify suspicious activity. Uh, and uh, yeah, we help law enforcement uh, crack down on criminal cases. So like, has there been like an increase in, in criminal activity with, with the cryptocurrencies or has it been somewhat uh, regulated from the, from the beginning? So I would say that, you know, um, understanding criminal behavior uh, lies at the heart of this. So if you, uh, if you think about it, a lot of criminal networks don't actually even need money to, to move goods around or you have a lot of trust relationships and uh, violent coercion and stuff like that. So really what you'll see is that uh, criminal activity uh, that has flowed into Bitcoin is just supplanting other crypto, like other bits of criminal activity. It's not like we've had an explosion of criminal activity due to Bitcoin. And, uh, and is, are there certain maybe areas in the world that are higher in the criminal activity or is it mostly spread across, more linear? Um, so essentially, you know, uh, it's pretty much spread around. Um, you'll see that um, cybercrime, you know, there are some centers of cybercrime around the world, um, you know, both domestic and, and foreign. Um, if you talk about narcotics or something like that, then you, you can have, um, uh, you have these marketplaces that exist in the deep web that serve customers all around the world. So, yeah, yeah it's not, I mean, m maybe uh, maybe if you analyze the language, most of them are in English, so maybe the English-speaking parts of the world. But, um, yeah, not exclusive. It's interesting to find, like, if there's, like, People doing drug trafficking or other um, illicit acts that actually are hip to the cryptocurrency and they're very advanced in their technology, which I think is interesting because people maybe think that they wouldn't be so much advanced in that field. Well, so, I mean, you know, you get this with a lot of technology that um, early adopters of new technology are often, you know, at the, at, like in fringe industries. Um, you see that with mobile. <clears throat> yeah, um, you see that with uh, the early days of the internet. You have these industries that are, um, at, uh, you know, at the edge of society and they have very little to lose by trying out and adopting new technology. Whereas if you have industries like the financial sector, um, you know, they have a lot to lose by dabbling in a new method of payment. Yeah. Oh, I, you're on here before, so we've, we've definitely covered this in an extensive uh, area. So I, I'm, I'm curious how you got into Bitcoin and blockchain because, you know, I first, I, I only first heard about it about six months ago was You've been in it for many years, so kind of what was the triggering part of it that got you so into it? Yeah, so um, I personally, um, I, was, I was in academia, 
And in academia, you have to um, carve out a niche for yourself um, in order to make original contributions to your field. And uh, I essentially identified that no economists were writing uh, about Bitcoin. And I went around the economics department in Oxford, and uh, no one would even, you know, talk to me about this weird internet money <laughs> that, like, you know, some criminal that people thought like just some criminals were using. And I said, well, you know, it actually asks um, the currency element asks some really good fundamental questions about how society creates value, um, how to engineer, you know the right level of privacy and transparency around uh, transactions. It, it allows you to question um, whether you can have automated monetary policy. It, it asks really searching philosophical, economic, and social questions. And so um, that's really how I got into it. And then uh, I decided that I wanted to build a company that would allow and facilitate um, uh, good actors and uh, legitimate actors to uh, leverage this technology to make you know more open commerce um, more inclusive services and stuff like that now any of the the people that were the naysayers that were against in the beginning have they ever have they contacted you to like kind of join your team or to get inside the ones that were like well they were skeptical have you had any of that experience um, so yeah the, the, there's some interesting things there's some interesting websites uh, where you know all the people who have said that Bitcoin is dead, there's always like another article that says you know Bitcoin died this week or <laughs> died, like um, and you know there's websites that are tracking every person that said that so that you know in ten years time if Bitcoin is still around you know they'll, they'll have a public record of that. Um, yeah, I mean we we so we come up against um, some controversy in our business. You know we we're providing. Um, ways for people to track Bitcoin transactions and some people thought that Bitcoin was designed to be anonymous um, and you know we, we have some tension there uh, but we you know this is <clears throat> as with a lot of technologies that exist today it's dual use you know um, and everyone can everyone can everyone can play cool now building on that people on the people that are being skeptical uh, what has been the biggest hurdle building a company is operating on the blockchain since it's relatively new, uh, I know every industry, every startup has its hurdles, but what are some, uh, some of the specifics that you've kind of faced recently, you know, here in New York or in general? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, Bitcoin had like a very, uh, very bad image problem um, with stuff like the Silk Road and Mt. Gox and, um, you know, it's a very early technology and now, um, you know, publications and media, people consuming all these stories about, you know, it's just criminals and, and drug dealers. Um, the, that, that's, that's challenging to then go um, and talk to a fin crime team uh, in a way that uh, you can explain that we can actually track uh, transactions and cases are actually being solved uh, using this type of analysis. So um, really getting rid of uh, some preconceptions about anonymity were were at the forefront of some of the challenges that we faced. Um, I'd say the other thing is that it's just so fast. The, the industry moves um, insanely fast on uh, all issues around development of the core protocol, around companies coming and going, you know, 
it's uh, it's very difficult to not get consumed in just the overall everyday news cycle and keeping up with it. Interesting. Uh, hey, I'm, let me jump in here, Jonathan. I can absolutely relate to that. I think part of the startup experience that you've obviously gained is how to dismiss things, right? Say no to things because there's so many distractions, especially in a new industry like cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Um, first of all, I love your answer to the fact that we're saving all the naysayers around Bitcoin and we're putting them on a site and, uh, and tracking that. I think that's fantastic. Um, I'm curious, Jonathan, how has your experience been working with Barclays? Obviously, they're a very large multinational you know, financial services and banking company. How have you guys mended with them or extracted value and sort of used their infrastructure and, and resources? Yeah, so, um, you know, that's an ongoing process. We're, you know, five weeks into the program, and uh, we've had a lot of face time with the Barclays folks, which has been uh, really great. We've done a lot of, uh, obviously, a lot of education around an area that they didn't maybe understand fully um, five weeks ago. But, you know, I'm, I'm pretty glad that, you know, a lot of, their, a lot of the key people in their fin crime teams and transaction monitoring teams actually really do understand the technology now, um, and uh, yeah, we we definitely see them um, engaging with uh, our product and uh, you know our, our overall vision for, for where this space can go. Uh, to, uh, to to sort of elaborate on that, what is the banking industry? So, if you, even if you were to uh, draw a parallel between Barclays and other banks. How do they integrate with uh, Bitcoin now and sort of what are they actually doing it or what are they actually using it for? And are they generally supporting the movement and actually, you know, putting engineers or dollars towards the progression of cryptocurrency? Or are they kind of just taking a back seat and watching it evolve? Yeah, I think what you see at the moment is, you know, mainly innovation teams within um, all, the, all the major banks have, you know, a couple of people who are. I guess full time dedicated to exploring not not Bitcoin necessarily, but also like blockchain technology, distributed ledgers, uh, looking for you know ways in which they can replace their back office infrastructure, um, and uh, you know I think that's that's the level of engagement. Um, the 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 way forward for a lot of um, you know for some banks is to create sandboxes so that they can actually run experiments. So um, they might onboard a Bitcoin company that's a, a licensed MSB to be able to um, to be able to see exactly what participating in an open network like this really uh, really feels like. You know, do, do, are, are our compliance teams able to handle um, you know, the level of the level of uncertainty? Are we are we getting a framework in place that can allow us to report potentially suspicious activities and stuff like that. So I think, you know, some banks are, and that's very hands-on uh, approach, and some banks are saying, well, um, I'm more interested in uh, distributed ledgers and let's build a consortium and, you know, make a pilot. Right. I think you'll see the latter approach, the latter approach will take uh, a pretty long time to, to get to maturity. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I think for a lot of our listeners, the story in the news that stands out as the most say, publicized crackdown on Bitcoin usage for, um, <laughs> call it, illegal use, illegal uh, goals would be the Silk Road 
uh, whole you know kind of infrastructure and that whole story, which was absolutely crazy. Are there? How, what do you think the implications or the effect that uh, say Chainalysis would have, um, or if they did have an effect? And and how, how do you see? Is that is that a use case where if the state, the government had um, sort of a system in place for preventing things like that, that you know we wouldn't see marketplaces for selling illegal substances and, and drugs and firearms, or or is that going down a different road of uh, of, of preventing crime, or is this more on like a company basis? Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, we don't we don't speak that much about um, yeah all this all all of that uh, all of the enforcement actions and prevention. I mean. Listen, it's not gonna it's not gonna become like Minority Report, but um, you can you can essentially see that um, you can see a few things. Um, every Bitcoin transaction that's ever made is public is public data, and um, you know criminals that are using Bitcoin to transact with it, you know they can they can be fairly careful with anonymity tools, um, but over a long period of time and with enough volume you will start to reveal pieces of information that law enforcement can use to crack down on you. Uh, in the particular case of the Silk Road, you know, that wasn't uh, necessary. Um, you know, it was servers in Iceland that, that revealed, you know, um, a lot of information about um, who was running it. Um, and, you know, it was mostly classical policing that, that uh, got closer to the suspect. Uh, that's not always the case, you know. Um, but, if you um, if you think that that's the end, well, so Bitcoin didn't start the beginning of these drug marketplaces, and nor nor will like having great monitoring tools spell the end of the drug marketplaces. Uh, those will those will continue to exist, and um, I think uh, you'll see probably less crackdowns on administrators, although that's still you know a um, a goal for the. Uh, for, for law enforcement, but mainly on, you know, the major traffickers of uh, illegal sus- substances or hu- like humans or child pornography and stuff like that. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate the follow-up on the, on the Bitcoin and all that uh, is going on in the marketplace. So, Jonathan, you've come a long way to join the Techstars family, especially coming from London. Uh, can you share about what you knew about Techstars before, or is it relatively new? And kind of like maybe how you're affected by the community. Uh, you know, it's a very family-orientated uh, Ecosystem. So, just kind of touch on that a little bit. Sure. So, um, I was aware of Textiles before joining the program, um, and I was aware of Barclays' collaboration with Textiles because I'm from London, and that was where the first accelerator was. So, um, you know, we were um, initially um, the US is our biggest market, and so you know, my initial plan was just to move over here and start an office and just like hit the ground running. Um, and then we decided that we could actually gain a lot of value out of the Textiles program. Uh, and Barclays' relationship. So we, we decided to come here and join the program. I'll tell you, it's a lot better than uh, than moving here alone and sitting in an office by yourself, probably in like a, a shoebox apartment in somewhere in Manhattan. So um, I've really, you know, come into a beautiful place with, you know, 50 co-workers, and um, we really, you know, that gets me going every day. Um, we see a lot of collaboration between the different teams, uh, here in the textiles program, a lot of intros being shot through, you know, be it investors or um, you know potential job candidates and stuff like that. So we really, um, uh, it's been an amazing move to the US for for Chainalysis and for myself um, to really have all those people around us. 
Yeah, you can imagine yeah, coming from London and you came by yourself and you hit, you, you hit the ground running, you'd be kind of running solo without that momentum. Uh, did the collaboration and input from other companies, as it, as it is right now, kind of not, not really shock you? Are, are you taking aback of how much value you're getting? Uh, or did you think that was going to happen at the beginning of the program? I mean, I think, you know, for a company who's not on the program, uh, it's very difficult to appreciate what, what value this, like, community and network creates. Um, I'm not sure there's a, a very good way to summarize it uh, because, you know, it's so context-specific. Um, you know, some of those things might work out next week or they might work out in, like, six months' time. So um, I was, uh, I would say, you know, um, fairly fairly happy in the way that, you know, everyone working on a startup is extremely focused and has to do that, but everyone is like super willing to help and uh, engage. Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of what, I mean, I knew about Textiles in Chicago because they, they merged Accelerate Labs, and I knew about the community. Like, I'm, I'm not in the fintech background for the for the audience that's listening. It's, I'm more of in the science and food realm, and that didn't matter coming out here. It was all about like what they were building the community and people helping each other, and like their big, biggest philosophy is give first. And so, um, and segue to that, we actually some of the uh, some of my members here at TechStars Barclays put some questions, not in a hat, but in a bowl and it's in a cup. So, John, if you don't mind grabbing one of the random questions, if you don't like it, you can return it, but you have to read, you have to have, stick to your second one. So, uh, I don't know if it's one I wrote or someone random. <laughs> okay, so the question is: worst mistake you've made at this startup? Yeah, that's a that's a, a pretty tough question. Um, Worst mistake. Yeah, so 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 far so far we <laughs> I can't say that everything's gone fantastically, but um you know we uh we haven't made any like bad hires yet, so you know we've hired very well. Um we um we have hmm Consider the question to be, what were opportunities you could do? What are opportunities to improve? How could you guys kind of look to get better? Or what are areas of interest that you think you guys would like to focus on? Maybe maybe interpret it that way. Yeah, so I, I mean, I think um, worst mistake you made at the startup. I, I think you can always, um, I would say you can always push yourself in terms of uh, traveling more to, to get to more places. Um, I think um, right now we are, you know, fairly US, US focused and US centric and uh, maybe we're not being quite as, uh, as global as we need to be at this point. Um, but I think, um, you know, so far I'm pretty happy with what we're doing. Um, we've got strong revenue growth. We've made some great hires. Um, we've got great traction and, uh, and good product feedback. So we, you know, um, yeah, apart from like logistical nightmares of moving to New York um, <laughs> and like setting up bank accounts and getting, actually, I, I guess like the the the, lot, the worst thing is uh, really getting all the visas sorted and uh, you know maybe we've made some mistakes in that in that realm. Um, so um, yeah, thanks so much for uh, having me on, guys. I uh, it's been a it's been a great experience so far in Techstars, and I hope you continue to do the podcast and invite great teams. No, we're going to definitely continue the podcast. Um, I guess the last thing, is there anything you can ask to the audience members that can maybe follow up with, with, a, with a tweet or information 
Uh, I guess we always end our thing with an ask, so we're just curious if any to the community that that you'd like to say, or if not, then we can segue to our next group. Sure. So I, I would say, you know, uh, firstly, if anyone uh, out there is sort of interested in, in what we're building or, you know, thinks that there might be some other application of, you know, bringing, you know, real-time analytics and um, and monitoring stuff to, to blockchain applications or even, even uh, not blockchain applications, um, best to drop me uh, an email. I'm Jonathan, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N, at chainanalysis.com. Uh, we, we we chose a pretty difficult name. It, it acts as a, like a good filter on you know. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm more than happy to you know bounce ideas around potential applications for the blockchain outside just currency. Um, and uh, yeah, explore it. Thank you for your time. We appreciate it. Uh, oh, whoops, we'll be back. We'll be back a little bit when we get our guys from Tel Aviv who are working on changing the trading industry. So, John, thank you. Have a great day, and uh, we'll, I'll get back at you guys. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Mike. Bye-bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner.